Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Common Sense. You know, we're facing an epidemic in our country right now. Fentanyl is killing Americans at unprecedented rates. And fentanyl deaths continue to rise, particularly among our young people and among our teens. And if you're a parent dealing with a child that's suffering with addiction, it can feel hopeless. But it's not. And, uh, you know, how we fix this thing is something that we're going to be talking about today with someone who knows something about this. Welcome to Common Sense. I'm Ben Carson. And today, our very special guest is Angela Kanaki. And, uh, you know, Angela is a seasoned investigative journalist with a long distinguished history who was working on a story about drug overdoses on the very day that she got the news that her 21-year-old daughter, Emily, had died of a fentanyl overdose in 2018. But instead of allowing that to crush her, Angela decided to make it her mission to stop the stigma that surrounds addiction and to help find solutions to the opioid epidemic. She started Emily's Hope, an organization that will help spread the hope for recovery from addiction. Angela, welcome. I'm so sorry to hear about the tragic death of your daughter, Emily. Can you tell us a little bit about her life? We would like to honor her memory. Well, thank you. Thank you for asking that. And thank you for having me on your program, on your podcast. Emily was my oldest child out of four. Just a beautiful, beautiful girl. So much energy and so much fun. She was brilliant. She was artistically talented. She was athletically talented. She really had it all. And um, she grew up in a middle-class family, had all of the privileges that kids and middle-class families have, did all of the activities, was involved in all of the sports, and never in my wildest dreams would I have imagined that she would start using substances and eventually die from fentanyl poisoning. 
And it was such a hard road to navigate, but I do want her to be remembered for the person that she was and for her incredible artwork and her energy and her joy. Well, were you aware of her drug usage? So Emily started experimenting with marijuana in high school. And, you know, you hear the debate about is marijuana a gateway drug or not? And I get asked a lot on what is my opinion of the legalization of weed? And I always say, my opinion is it's not for the developing brain. We know that marijuana sets people up for addiction about 15 times more if they use it before their brain is fully developed, alcohol about nine times more. So Emily had started experimenting with this and her friend group had changed. She had sort of alienated herself from her good friends. I say that in air quotes, but you know, these were good kids that she was hanging around and started hanging around people who were using And I tried desperately, quite desperately, to navigate this, to get her away from this particular friend group, to do whatever I could. And I took her to counselor after counselor. I invoked the law while she was still a juvenile. I put her into outpatient treatment. She got kicked out for swearing at the counselor. It just seemed impossible to kind of stop this train wreck. And I had up to the point before she died, I had just thought that she was using marijuana and Xanax, but we knew something was wrong. I mean, she had started missing family events. Things had started. She wasn't living in my house any longer. By this time, she was 21 years old, and we were planning an intervention, and we were actually three days away from holding that intervention on the day that she died. She, unbeknownst to me, she was using heroin, and it was laced with fentanyl, enough to kill six people. That is really amazing. So why did you start Emily's Hope? Well, after my daughter died, of course, I couldn't get up off the floor. I have to tell you, losing a child is the worst kind of pain I think any parent can suffer. It is truly a dark night of the soul, and it is very difficult to go on. And I do understand parents who get stuck in grief. I, I get it. For me, though, I had a platform as a broadcast journalist, and I knew I had to do something to try to create meaning out of a meaningless death. You know, my daughter didn't have to die. She didn't have to ingest fentanyl. Her drug was laced with fentanyl. She wasn't choosing to die. And I just, my only thought was, I didn't want another parent to ever go through anything like this, or a loved one, a family member. And if I could stop it, if I could do my part in my little corner of the world, to at least prevent one death, I had to do that. And that's why I started Emily's Hope. Mm. Now, you know, obviously when one member of the family is affected in this way, it affects the entire family. And many people have no concept of how easily one can become addicted. And some people don't have a lot of sympathy for addicted people because they say, You know, that's their own fault. But what people don't realize is that most people who are addicted, if they could push a button and not be addicted, they would wear that button out. And it's often the case that they say, yeah, I realize this is hurting me, and it's hurting my family, it's hurting my loved ones, and I'm going to quit. I'm done. And before the day is over, they're at it again. It's not something that, that you can control. Very few people can just stop cold turkey and say, I'm not going to do this anymore. 
and that's why it becomes so vitally important uh, for organizations like Emily's Hope to exist, to give people that chance. And as you rightly acknowledge, you know, losing a child, there's, there's nothing as stressful as that. You know, as as a pediatric neurosurgeon, you know, I had to deal with death a lot of times, and the stress frequently tore the families apart. It is just that horrendous. So I have a, a little bit of an understanding of how stressful that is, but no one can really understand it who hasn't gone through it, quite frankly. But if you do know somebody who needs help, if you know an addict, what should you do? What can people do? Sure. Well, to your point about addiction, nobody would choose to become addicted to a substance. I mean, that substance takes over your life. Sometimes it's several substances. Addiction is 30 to 60% hereditary. I have asthma. Asthma is 30 to 60% hereditary. And so it has to do with your genes, with your environment, with your age of first use. All of these things are factors. And we do need to understand it as a disease of the brain. You know, the substance takes over the brain and makes people think that that's what they need more than, you know, taking care of their children even or anything in life. And it's just so incredibly sad. And I think if we can reduce the stigma to get help for substance use disorder within medical systems, more accessible and all of these things, it's so important because it is so tough for people to navigate right now. Um, I do think you talked about getting people help. And I think that it's very hard. If, if you have a child, it's much easier you know, if they're under 18, to force them into treatment, right? Uh, it's much harder once someone is an adult. You can do an involuntary commitment. I would always suggest to people to call 988. Emily's Hope, we are offering treatment scholarships at the treatment center in my hometown. So we've successfully helped 300 people at least get into treatment to give them that chance for recovery. And we're also pledging a lot of money for adolescent treatment as well because we have a new adolescent treatment center. And eventually we'd like to expand that, those treatment scholarships all over the country because finances are a real roadblock to getting help. And stigma, stigma and finances and just accessibility and just knowing what to do. The, the weird part about addiction is that people deny they even have a problem, right? Denial is a symptom of the disease. So it's so hard because people don't want to admit. Plus, there's so much shame and stigma surrounding admitting that you do have a problem. But we've seen incredible cases of recovery. So it is possible for sure. And what about on the prevention front? kids who are in middle school, junior high, uh, what do you suggest that we do in those situations? Right. I am so glad you asked me about that because that is my um, biggest passion right now is prevention. I truly believe that once someone is addicted, that it's a tough road and relapse is part of it. So there's no like magic fix for it. I think that we have to teach all children, actually starting at a younger age, that they need to protect their body, they need to protect their brain, and what substances do to the brain. We are actually at Emily's Hope launching a pilot program right now for younger than middle school, younger than high school, because I believe that we have to get kids this message. And I've had a number of people on my education committee come beside me, doctors, medical professionals, teachers, drug and alcohol counselors, who all agree that we can teach children in age-appropriate ways to protect their bodies and their brains. 
while teachers and parents still have a lot more influence on them than their peers and social media. I think by the time kids are in middle school, you can still get some of these messages across, certainly. But I just think we have to start younger. In fact, we're piloting our um, education curriculum right now. I have the book for third grade that we have out there, eight lessons, um, teaching kids in nine different schools in the Midwest right now. And next year we'll have K through five done. And I am that gives me so much hope that just revitalizes me to try to teach kids at a younger age these messages so that they understand it. And I was just in a classroom on Friday and I interviewed some kids in that third grade classroom and they got the message. They got the message to only take something from a trusted adult. You know, they got the message that drugs are harmful for the brain. And they weren't afraid. We weren't trying to scare them. We were just trying to teach them, you're a doctor, you know, in medical ways, and they want to protect their bodies and their brains. Absolutely. Well, where can people get that book? Well, it is on Amazon. Um, if you look up Angela Kennecke, you'll, you'll see it on Amazon. And we are also going to be having our curriculum available uh, a year from now to as many schools that want it. So we're going to have an education portal on our website. And we're super excited about that. We're actually studying the curriculum right now so that it can be evidence-based And I think we're one of the first. I know Ohio does a comprehensive program about opioids, K through 12. But we are one of the first to develop a curriculum that is specifically targeted toward elementary schools. Amen. Well, thank you so much for doing that, because that's going to save a lot of people, a lot of grief. That's going to save a lot of lives. Now, uh, we're going to have to take a short break, and we'll be right back with our fascinating guest, Angela Kennecke. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Angela Kennedy. Angela lost her daughter to a fentanyl overdose and now works to help families and individuals who are dealing with addictions. And uh, she certainly has the background to talk about this. But uh, Angela, can you discuss briefly the rise of fentanyl? Uh, where does it all seem to be coming from? Is there a Mexico? China connection? What's What the heck is going on? And why is it all of a sudden such a big deal? Yeah, it is awful. Actually, it is terrifying. And every parent needs to know what's going on. I just spent 
um, a day at a conference um, with the Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA, with a number of other families who've lost children to fentanyl as well. It is pouring into this country. The raw ingredients are being manufactured in China. It is being laced in every drug out there in Mexico, and it is coming into this country in all kinds of ways. It is coming, you know, and they're hiding it in vehicles as it comes across checkpoints. Their mules are bringing it in. It's coming by air and by ship. So there's lots of different ways that it's coming in. And there are so many pressed pills that are laced with fentanyl. Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid, extremely deadly. It takes what's equivalent to about four grains of salt to kill someone. And it's extremely addictive, which is why the dealers are putting it in everything. And I think that going back to education and prevention, that is really the key to ending this. Because if there's no demand for drugs, if there's no demand for these products, people won't be dying. And what's so frightening to me is we were talking about addiction for most of this podcast so far. You don't have to be addicted to die because there's not as much stigma around taking a pill. Kids are not as afraid to take pills. I've talked to so many parents now who's 15, 16, 17-year-olds got a pill off of Snapchat. There's like a colorful menu that they order a pill from and their parents found them dead the next day in their room. How horrifying. And I just think we have to hold social media companies accountable that are allowing these dealers to operate on social media platforms. And we also have to figure out ways to decrease the demand and, of course, stop the infiltration in this country of all of these fentanyl-laced illegal drugs. That is such a good point. And, you know, it's kind of hard to understand why some of the social media platforms jump on doctors who maybe had a disagreement with the CDC about COVID. But uh, this kind of stuff, no problem. <laughs> you can do it. And it kills people. It's pretty amazing. But something that we all have to continue to to look for common sense uh, solutions to things that are going on. Now, deaths in this country involving opioids increased dramatically during the COVID era. Some people say we're still in the COVID area. I think it's gone, quite frankly. But why do you think there was such a, a big increase during that time? Well, you're right. When my daughter died in 2018, it was 72,000 deaths a year. And I just looked at the CDC numbers a few days ago. And through May of 2022, this year, that 12-month period, May of 2021 through May of 2022, Deaths were at 108,022, and I never rounded down to 108,000 because those 22 people mattered. The increase in this is incredible. The deaths run anywhere between 295 to 299 a day. It's mm -hmm. just, it's unbelievable to me that we aren't shouting from the rooftops about this problem. Mm -hmm. But I think the increase has to do uh, with the isolation people felt during covid our world is such an angry and scary place right now. I think people just feel hopeless and they turn to substances. I think that's the reason why. And our mental health issues are not always being addressed. People cannot always get the help they need for mental health issues. And so mental health and addiction, as you know, really go hand in hand. It's kind of the chicken and the egg. You know, does use cause mental health problems? Yes. Do people use to self-medicate? Yes. So those two, those two things are just so intertwined and we've had such a crisis on our hands 
and we haven't really figured out how to solve it. And we've got that coupled with the fact that, uh, as you mentioned, a lot of drugs that are not, quote, fentanyl, are laced with it by people who have nefarious intentions. And, uh, you know, whether it was intended or not, the effect is still the same. People die. And uh, that's why we need to be so careful about taking anything that is uncontrolled. And I think that's a message that really has to be gotten out in spades, particularly to our young people. Your friends may mean well, or they may not, but they're not doctors. They're not the medical uh, establishment dispensing their drug. That's somebody who may have given them something and told them that it makes you feel good. And, you know, it's all about, for some people, feeling good. And the problem with opioids, fentanyl, things of this nature is it gives you such a high that now you just start thinking, how can I, how can I achieve that again? That's really what addiction is. You're just trying to, to obtain that feeling once again. And, uh, you know, particularly the case with crack, cocaine, you can take it one time and that feeling is something that you can't forget and that you may spend the rest of your life trying to achieve again until it kills you. And I've talked to a number of, of crack addicts, and I get the same story from each one of them. Uh, and we really need to protect our children from uh, this kind of activity. You know, one two-milligram dose of fentanyl is enough to kill the average adult. And uh, it doesn't take it very long because it affects the respiratory system. So you lose consciousness and you stop breathing pretty quickly. Now, illicit uh, fentanyl overdose deaths among teens account for 77% of the adolescent overdose deaths in 2021. I mean, that just gives you some idea of how significant it is. And many of those are accidental deaths. And, you know, the federal government counted more accidental overdose deaths in 2021 than it did, listen to this, in the 20-year period between 1979 and 1998. That is amazing. So the question is, what can we do to decrease the illicit use of opioids? What can we the people do? Is there anything we can do? Well, on a personal level, every parent needs to know. I just spoke with some parents whose um, 19-year-old son died in 2021. They had never heard of fentanyl before. Mm -hmm. So every parent needs to be educated and needs to talk to their children about this and about not taking anything that's not from a trusted adult. And I think that the other thing is we need Congress to take more actions to allow um, parents, especially, to monitor social media of their children. And there are other things I think we can do on a law enforcement side, although we cannot arrest our way out of this problem. I don't think that's possible, but I think decreasing demand, educating the public, and new laws holding the dealers that we do catch accountable. In my daughter's case, the dealers were held accountable, and I think that that is unusual. That's what I'm hearing, that it's unusual 
that they actually get arrested, the people who were bringing crack cocaine, like you mentioned, and heroin laced with fentanyl into my community, they never used their own product. They had pictures of, you know, themselves with big wads of cash. And I think those, they were held accountable. So one of them went to prison, federal prison for 20 years. The other one got life. They killed many people in my community. But I don't, I think that's rare. So I think we need to hold the dealers accountable. The punishments need to be severe. And I've had a lot of parents say, it feels like this is chemical warfare on our nation, on our young people. I mean, I just, I, I put up a poster of all these young people that I personally know who have died. And I just think about all the lost potential. Mm. What could they have done? Could they have been a neurosurgeon? You know, could they have been a journalist or a writer or an entrepreneur? We will never know. And it is, it's terrifying to me, but I think that's why we have to get rid of the stigma. The idea is, oh, you chose to take this pill. Well, there's not so much stigma surrounding taking a pill, right? Kids are maybe risk takers. They may be willing to do those kinds of things. We have to get serious about solving this problem. Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad that you've gotten serious about it. Uh, We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Okay, and we're back with Angela Kinnicky, an amazing American journalist, with a tremendous reputation in that area, who lost her daughter to fentanyl four years ago and has devoted her life to helping others understand how this can happen, how to avoid it, what to do about it. And these are tremendous contributions uh, for an individual to make. Now, because of your ability to report things, to understand to investigate, you're an incredibly important voice. And maybe you could tell parents, what are the signs to be on the lookout for regarding their children who may be getting involved with drugs or and struggling with addiction? Well, first of all, thank you for saying all that. That's very kind of you. I appreciate that. I just feel like I'm doing the only thing that I can do to channel my grief, you know, in a constructive way. And I do, you're right. I had the platform to tell Emily's story. 
and I know how to research things and I know how to connect with people. And that's really helped with my mission. Also, over the years, you know, I'd asked so many parents to speak after horrible things had happened as a journalist. How could I not, you know, speak out about this and try mm-hmm. to save lives? But you asked about signs. And I think that if things start to change with your child, I've talked to several parents who were like, it's like a switch went off at about the age of 15, 14, 15, 16. All of a sudden, what happened to my child? Like, where, where is my kid? What happened to him? And we know some changes in adolescence are normal, right? We know some mood mm-hmm. changes and things like that are normal. But if you see a drastic change in your child, that's a glaring sign. If their friends change, if their grades start to drop, if they start locking their door more, and, and obviously teenagers want some privacy, and yeah. you can allow that, you know, based on their own behavior and what they're doing. But if they start really moving away from you, moving away from their friends, I mean, you have to take action. Do whatever you can. Do whatever you can, because it is just too risky out there. Wow. And the other group of people that we really need to be talking to are the policymakers. Obviously, there are things that they could potentially do that might help the situation. Do you have any advice for policymakers? Well, even on a state level, Minnesota has a third-degree murder charge that applies in these kinds of cases where a dealer has poisoned someone with a fentanyl-laced pill. We don't have that in my state. Many states don't have that in my in the upper Midwest. So I think even on local levels, state levels, we can enact better laws. I have testified before a congressional committee, and everybody on that congressional committee had been affected by this one in one way or the other. So they were all listening. They were all paying attention. And I think better access to treatment, making medically assisted treatment more widely available. I'm on a national committee with the pharmacist, Dan Schneider, and along with several other people trying to make it possible for more doctors to prescribe medically assisted treatment for those suffering from opioid addiction because it works. It works. And they may have to stay on it for life to stay off of these dangerous opioids that can be laced with fentanyl, but that's okay. At least they're healthy and they're living, and we need to work on that aspect, I think, almost more than anything else. And it has so many implications for the rest of their lives. You know, when you look at the people who are homeless in our country, you know, a very significant portion of them are drug-addicted individuals. And, you know, you can get them off the street, through programs like Housing First. And it's better for them to be off the street than on the street. But the vast majority of them end up back on the street if you don't do Housing Second and Housing Third. Housing Second is diagnose why they're on the street. And Housing Third is try to fix it. Otherwise, it's sort of like spitting in an ocean. We need to recognize what these things actually do to a person due to their potential due to their ability just to function in society. And I can't emphasize enough uh, parents who may be listening, children who may be listening. The real key here is don't start in the first place. Just stay away from it. And, uh, you know, I remember hearing that message so strongly when I was a youngster that when I went to college, and, uh, you know, people were smoking marijuana. I would stuff rags under the door to keep the smell from coming into my room. I just didn't want anything to do with it. And, uh, you know, 
you need to start working on your children at a young age, helping them to realize that this is something that can absolutely ruin their lives and the lives of everyone around them. And don't be tempted just because some of your friends are saying, oh, this is so cool and it makes you feel so good. Not in the long run. It doesn't do any good in the long run. And uh, I just want to thank Angela Kennecke for her role in helping so many people to understand what's going on and being a voice in the wilderness to keep people from going down that road and to help people who have gone down that road find the pathway back. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And we will be right back with your Common Sense Prescription for the week. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. back with Common Sense. You know, we want to thank uh, Angela Kennecke for sharing with us the story of the tragedy of her, her daughter's death, but uh, how that tragedy is used to help others. And if someone you know is uh, dealing with addiction, don't wait. Reach out for help now. It could save their lives. Looking for the perfect Christmas gift for your kids or grandchildren this year? In my children's book, Red, White, and Blue, Our Flag Matters to Me and You, Liberty the Eagle explains some of the many reasons why we stand for our American flag, the freedom it represents, and why America is a special place. When a little boy finds an American flag and tatters on the ground, the wise Liberty Eagle explains those freedoms and why we respect and stand for our flag. 
Red, white, and blue, our flag matters to me and you, is a rhyming, colorful, picture book reminder of the principles and ideals that form this country. From our ragtag bunch of militiamen to the pinnacle of the world in record time. Use the code CHRISTMAS2022 to get a 15% discount. Don't wait any longer. Order your copy today, red, white, and blue. Our flag matters to me and you. And now for your common sense prescription. You know, here we are right smack dab in the middle of the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, all coming up on us. A joyous time, but also for many a very stressful time. Some people find it to be the most stressful time of the entire year. And what I'd like you to do is see if you can find a way to help those who seem to be carrying most of the burden. Frequently, it's the mother in the house. If you're a child, ask your mother, can you help? Is there anything I can do, Mom? Take out the garbage or whatever. If you're the dad, don't just sit around looking at football games. Make sure that you help. Go to the store, buy last-minute ingredients, whatever is helpful. Because many hands make for light work. And when one person isn't overly stressed, then they can enjoy things and it makes it more pleasant for everybody else. So love them and show that love by lending a helping hand. That's it for this week's show. Please subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you don't miss any. They're all archived. And uh, remember to review us, rate us, tell your friends, family, neighbors about us. Let's spread common sense. Let's make it really common again. Please enjoy the holidays and write to me at Ben at AmericanCornerstone.org. Tell me what you thought of the show. Ask any questions. And uh, remember to treasure the cornerstones. Faith, liberty, community, and life. See you next week.